book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8, parts 7 through 18. A warning not to forget God and prosperity. For the Lord, your God, is bringing you into a good land, a land with flowing streams, with springs and underground waters, welling up in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land where you may eat bread without scarcity, where you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and from whose hills you may mine copper. You shall eat your fill and bless the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. Take care you do not forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commandments, his ordinances, and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. When you have eaten your fill and have built fine houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks have multiplied and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then do not exalt yourself, forgetting the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness, an arid wasteland with poisonous snakes and scorpions. He made water flow from you from flint and rock. He fed you in the wilderness with manna that your ancestors did not know, to humble you and to test you, and in the end, to do you good. Do not say to yourself, my power and the might of my own hand have gotten me this wealth. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth so that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your ancestors as he is doing today. May the living word of God speak to us through these ancient words of scripture. Well, a man wanted a new pet and he contemplated what kind of pet he would get. He decided that a parrot would fit the bill. Don't ask my husband John about that though, because he would entirely disagree. Um, but a parrot would be someone to talk to as well as be fairly low maintenance as they spend most of their time in a cage, right? So the man went to his local pet store and found his beautiful parrot, a lovely shade of green with hints of red and yellow on his wings. And he decided this was the perfect pet for him. The man told the pet store owner that he wanted to take the bird home, but the owner warned him that the parrot had quite a vocabulary. Well, the man thought, I want a bird that will talk to me, so he decided that this would not be a problem, and so he bought the bird. Well, the parrot not only had a bad vocabulary, but he had an even worse attitude. Every word out of the bird's mouth was rude, obnoxious, and laced with profanity. The man tried and tried to change the bird's attitude by consistently saying only polite things, by playing soft, comforting music, and by doing anything else that he could think of to clean up the bird's language. Well, finally, the last straw came for the man a few days before Thanksgiving. His mother was over to help him prepare for the big feast, and the parrot came up with insults for his mother that no dignified person should ever hear, and the man had had it. He was fed up and he yelled at the parrot. Well, the parrot just yelled back. So the man shook the cage and the parrot was angrier and ruder than he ever was before. Well, finally in desperation, the man threw up his hands, grabbed the parrot and put him in the freezer. <laughs> For a few minutes, the parrot squawked and kicked and screamed, but then suddenly there was total quiet. 
Not a peep was heard for over a minute. Now, of course, fearing that he had hurt the parrot, the man quickly opened the door to the freezer. And this time, the parrot calmly stepped out onto his outstretched arms, and he said, Sir, I am so sorry for any pain and angst that my language and behavior might have caused you. I am sincere when I say I shall never again speak such profanity or insult such a woman as your mother. I have not only learned my lesson, but from now on you will find that I am a respectful, reverent, and humble parrot who shall only seek to please you with soft songs and delightful tones. Well, the man, of course, was shocked at this change in behavior, but he was very satisfied. And as he put the parrot back in his cage, the bird asked, might I inquire of just one thing, good sir? What exactly did the turkey do? <laughs> oh, Thanksgiving, right? The day that we gorge ourselves with that frozen turkey, and if nothing else, let that joke remind you it's time to take the turkey out of the freezer. <laughs> But more importantly, of course, it is the day that we have set aside to give thanks, to recognize the ways that we are blessed, to offer our gratitude for the things in our lives that we are thankful for. And of course, this fits with our theme. It is very fitting for the, day, or the Sunday before Thanksgiving. But with our theme, you'll recall that after exploring the importance of our community, this community and the community that we can provide to the outside world, our personal spirituality and fellowship, as well as how we can make a difference in the world as a community, we are now exploring four practices that help to sustain that community, make this community not just exist and be, but how we can thrive helps us to live into God's vision for our community by making it stronger. And they speak, these practices speak to the way that we are when we are with each other. And so week one, a couple of weeks ago, we started with making and keeping promises and the enduring sense of trust that is developed when promises are made and kept. In week two, we talked about living truthfully and authentically as individuals and as a congregation as we live into God's truthful vision for us and for our world. And of course, today, appropriately so, the third practice is gratitude. And it makes sense, of course, with Thanksgiving coming up, but as part of our four practices, it's more than just a cultural holiday celebration of gratitude. Instead, we are invited to consider who is the object of our gratitude, to whom do we direct our thanks when we are giving thanks, whether it's on Thanksgiving or another day. For us, it's not a faceless thanks that are cast somewhere into the universe. But for us as children of God and followers of Christ, our thanks are directed to God, the one who we believe has bestowed all these good things upon us, even on a cultural holiday such as Thanksgiving. God is the one to whom we direct our thanks. And this is the caution that is included in our Bible story for today. So for a little bit of context, Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Torah or the Pentateuch of the first five books of the Bible. From a chronological perspective, what we read today comes well after the patriarchs and the matriarchs of our faith of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and eventually Joseph in Egypt. A number of years pass and then Moses appears. When we first hear about his birth story, that we're only in the beginning of Exodus now, uh, birth story being rescued from the river, then his rise to power in Egypt and eventually as he led the Israelites out of Egypt through the Red Sea. And then they wander in the desert for 40 years. We heard a little bit about that in our reading for today. 
During that time, they got the Ten Commandments, they built the golden calf, they received manna in the wilderness, and they moved toward that promised land. Now, much of Deuteronomy is law. So out of the Ten Commandments developed many other laws that developed from those Ten Commandments, over 600 of them, and they're contained in the rest of the Torah or the Pentateuch. Well, our selection for today is actually part of those laws. In fact, in the beginning of chapter 8, it says, this entire commandment that I command to you today, you must diligently observe. So when we talk about the law and the commandments, it's more than just the Ten Commandments, or words, as they're called in Hebrew, but it's the whole, the entirety of the law of the Old Testament. And so back then, it was to remind them of the times in the wilderness that they didn't have much, and God provided that manna that came to sustain them. And now, and with these verses, we can be reminded that in the good times, to not forget God. That there's a reminder that God is fulfilling promises and leading them into the land and heaping good things upon us. And when that happens, don't forsake the goodness that God is giving or the promises of God by forgetting that God is actually the one who has granted all the goodness that they or we are experiencing. And that warning comes very strongly. It says, do not say to yourself, my power and the might of my own hand have gotten me this wealth, but remember the Lord your God, for it is God who gives. And it is, of course, an apt reminder. All the good that we experience, it's all from God's hand. We remember it this week on Thanksgiving, and we try to remember it throughout our lives. Now, there's a danger here, though. While it's a common practice to offer God thanks for things as they come, there are actually two dangers in this approach. And the first is what's known as works righteousness. It's essentially a rewards approach, that if I do X, Y, Z, then God will bless me. And what's dangerous is what happens if we do X, Y, and Z, but then we don't feel blessed. We don't feel rewarded by God. We don't feel the sense of the good gift. You see, we can't earn God's love, God's grace, God's blessing. God freely offers it to us. And so in works righteousness, it reverses that. Rather than God freely offering it, it thinks that we can do something to receive those gifts. And then the second danger in this idea of a response is that maybe we only give thanks when things are good. And I think this one is very real. How often are we actually offering our thanks to God? Do we wait for Thanksgiving? Do we only offer when the gift is overwhelmingly good? Do we just do it as a response? Well, that's where today's theme comes in, the practice of gratitude. You see, there's a difference between offering our thanks as a response to something we've received, whether from God or from someone else, and living our life as gratitude, as a practice. Of course, when someone, a family, a friend, a stranger, or God, when they offer us something for which we're thankful, the appropriate response is a gesture of gratitude, a word of thanks, a note of thanks, whatever that might be. But gratitude is more than just offering thanks as a response to a particular situation on a particular day. When gratitude is a practice, it becomes a way of life. Our whole life then is lived as a grateful response to all the good in our lives. It means that it happens even when things don't feel right, even when we don't feel blessed, even when we aren't necessarily receiving all good things. 
gratitude as a practice is more of a way of life than it is a response. And we live it regardless of the circumstances of our lives in any particular moment, particularly when life is hard. It is easy to live gratitude when we feel that way. It is much harder to do that when we feel burdened, when we feel overwhelmed or feel fearful, when we feel like nothing is going our way, like goodness is not only not coming our way, but maybe even being withheld from us. And yet, we know the impact that gratitude has. It has the power to change our lives. A lot of research has shown that gratitude has a positive effect on social, emotional, psychological, and physical well-being. And it follows then that these effects can carry over into our life, into our relationships, into our community. So today I offer you four ways to boost gratitude in your life. Four ways that you can practice gratitude as an everyday part of your personal life or of our part of our community. Because practicing this gratitude despite the circumstances that are in or around you is different than that response of being thankful. Instead, we discover how gratitude as a way of life can impact your entire outlook. So first, first is to not take things for granted. It's so easy to do that, right? Feeling entitled to something, feeling like we deserve something. But instead, our first idea is to recognize that all of the little things that we have that make up this life, the goodness of this life, and to not take those for granted. Life can change in a heartbeat. We all know that. We're not guaranteed anything. So when you're going through a tough season, whether it's personally or corporately as a world, which certainly feels like we are right now, Practicing gratitude means not taking those little things that are good in the midst of that for granted. So what does this mean then for your relationships with your spouse, your friends, your family? What does it mean for your relationship within this, our community, our church? What does it mean for your relationship with the world? Lord knows the world has been tough. Has there even been anything good about it? Instead of thinking about it like that, what are the little things that the world offers us that we might have taken for granted? that we can live instead as grateful for. By recognizing in the midst of all of this hard, those good things, we can boost that sense of gratitude as a practice for the positive impact that it has on our hearts. So first, don't take things for granted. Second, keep things in perspective. In situations where annoyance or anger would be the easy response, having a lens or a practice of gratitude could offer you the perspective shift that you need to see the full context of a particular situation. It helps you to sort of zoom out and see the whole picture instead of zeroing in just on the negatives. We only have so much space to manage things, right? Often the bad things are larger and they outweigh all the good ones. But the practice of gratitude means that the hard things shrink a little bit, they take up less of our emotional energy and space because we focus more on the good ones and those grow. And keeping things in perspective means that our focus on the good outshines and outgrows our focus on the bad. Third, well first, don't take things for granted. Keep things in perspective and third, find your personal meaning. 
Increasing your practice of gratitude has an impact on how satisfied you are in your life or with your life. And research has shown that the more that we practice this, the more we practice gratitude, the more satisfied we actually are in our relationships with others, in our relationship with our community and with our relationship with the world. So it speaks to our sense of personal meaning, to our sense of personal call, to the impact that we have individually on our world. It's kind of like that old age-old question, what is the meaning of life? Well, I don't know that we can actually answer that because I think that it's a personal question for each one of us. It doesn't answer the question for everyone, but it answers it for you. Answer it for yourself. What is the meaning of your life? When you're able to discover that, it increases your sense of satisfaction with your life and therefore your experience and practice of gratitude. And that gratitude then in turn helps us to see more clearly the meaning of our life. It's a nice cycle that happens. So don't take things for granted. Keep things in perspective. Find your personal meaning. And finally, the fourth one, decrease resentment. Might be the hardest one of all, actually. Regularly expressing gratitude and practicing it every day can actually temper annoyances and resentments that build up over time. Therefore, decreasing resentment by consciously making an effort to thank others for specific small things, or even the more general ones, means that we're letting go of that resentment that tends to take root and helps us instead to embrace a life of gratitude by showing appreciation, the opposite of harboring resentment. By shifting your mindset from that of resentment and criticism and cynicism, it can help to adopt the opposite, the practice of gratitude. Each of these four practices for life, not taking things for granted, keeping things in perspective, finding personal meaning, and decreasing resentment. These four things can increase our sense of gratitude in our everyday lives, every single day of our life and can do so within this, our community. So while we take a cultural pause as a society this Thursday and focus on the things that we're grateful for, I encourage you to not just name them. First, be conscious of the one to whom you are grateful, the ones you're sitting with perhaps, but ultimately the God who has blessed you with those good things. But also recognize the difference between being thankful as a response to God's goodness and living a life that is defined by gratitude, where the intentional practice of it shapes your life and transforms your relationships with your loved ones, with us, your family of faith, and with the world. <laughs>